Well, hello, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to share with you stories that empower you to do, to be, to achieve, and to impact more through your life. Maybe more simply said, I'm fired up to share with you stories that help you live inspired. After today's episode, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at podcast at johnolearyinspires.com with your feedback, maybe your guest suggestions for future shows, stories on how this podcast has helped you live more inspired, or questions that you have for me. Again, send that email to me at podcast at johnolearyinspires.com. And now, let's get started with today's episode. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. On every episode, I invite individuals who inspire me to do, to be, to serve, to love, and to impact more profoundly. Sometimes these are individuals who have simply unmatched life stories. They're overcomers. They're examples that we ought to look up to. They're heroes. Other times, they're individuals who speak or they write or they share as experts on a specific topic. Well, today, we have both. It's an incredible, life-giving, emotional story that you're about to hear, and the person sharing it is an expert in an area that I believe matters profoundly to you. My friends, with more than one and a half trillion dollars, that's trillion with a T, trillion dollars currently owed for student loans and another one trillion that we owe through our credit cards. Our debt is at epidemic levels and it weighs down the vast majority of us and it steals our freedoms. It does, it steals our freedoms. And in steps our friend and today's guest, Anthony O'Neill. Since 2003, he has helped hundreds of thousands of students make smart decisions with their money, with their relationships, and with their education. He's a national best-selling author. He travels the country spreading his encouraging message to help teens and young adults start their lives off right. His latest book just came out earlier this week. It's called Debt-Free Degree. Anthony is passionate about helping young leaders embrace the great limitless possibility of their lives in order that they may live a well-balanced, impactful life. He has an awesome story. He's got a beautiful heart. He's got ideas, my friends, you need to not only know, but to listen to, to act on, and then to share with others. So right now, my ask is this, open wide your hearts, open up your journals, take some notes, because we have the honor of interviewing my friend, his name, Anthony O'Neill. Anthony, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. John, thank you so much for having me on this amazing podcast. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Man, I am a huge fan, and I'm even more excited to know that your book is killing it. So for uh, the three listeners that somehow don't know what's taking place out there, talk a little bit, very, very little bit, because I want to slowly unpack it with you today, but talk a little bit about the book and what's going on with it. 
Oh man, the title of the book is Debt Free Degree, short for us, uh, long for DFD, and it is uh, a book that's teaching parents how to get their kids into college and through college 100% debt free. So we have a plan starting from middle school all the way through high school that will get them into and through college 100% without borrowing no money. Mm. It sounds too good to be true, man. On this show, you're going to be sharing why it's not. And uh, and for the cynics in the room with their arms crossed thinking it, it's just too good to be true, I can't wait for them to hear your story. What you learned, the mistakes you made, how you're doing life differently and how you're teaching us to follow and do likewise. So Anthony, Anthony let's just get right after it. You grew up in a fairly conservative home. Talk about it. Grew up in a very conservative uh, spiritual home. Uh, I have, um, I'm blessed and privileged to have four parents. So I have two biological parents and two amazing step parents who I love just as much as my biological parents. Uh, my biological mother and my amazing stepfather and my siblings live in San Diego, California. And my stepfather served in the Marines there in Camp Pendleton. And then my father served in the Army for about 35 years. And my amazing stepmother lived there in Fayetteville, North Carolina, on the Fort Bragg campuses. Um, and I just grew up in a home that was just uh, very conservative, uh, very strict spiritually. It was go to school, come home, we go to church. School, mm -hmm. church, school, church. Sunday through Sunday, <laughs> right. um, there, re there really was no life. You know, I couldn't enjoy the football games growing up. I couldn't go out to the mall and chill with my friends. I couldn't go to the movies sometimes with uh, some of my peers. It was just strictly school and church. I never got taught about anything about finances, how to build wealth, or even how to manage and control uh, the money that I was making with my part-time job. And so, you know, when I graduated high school, John, uh, <clears throat> I graduated with a lot of wisdom and knowledge around the spiritual aspect of things. Um, I graduated with, a, you know, an okay uh, GPA from high school. And I was just re really ready just to be out on my own and just be this grown man that I thought I was. Well, you were about to find out how far from grown man you, you were. You go off to college. I understand it's one of your very first days and there's an opportunity for you to step into a couple free slices of pizza and a yes. t-shirt. Talk, talk about yes. that because every single college student whoever was had the same opportunity and took it. You do too. Yeah. What, what was it that you were really stepping into? Man, I, th that was the most expensive pepperoni and sausage pizza I've ever paid for in my entire life. It's my first day on a college campus, and I am uh, walking up, going to class, and this guy jumps out in front of me, and he offers me uh, two free large pieces and one free T-shirt to fill out this credit card application. And I, I really wasn't really focused on the credit card. I was just like, hey, that's free food mm -hmm. and a free T-shirt that I can play basketball in. Uh, so let me just, you know, just do it. And if I get the credit card, cool. And a month later, I got the credit card. And I will never forget that day my mom told me, you do not need this credit card. You need to cut it up and do not do this. And I respectfully told my mother, I'm a grown man and mind her business. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go over? Uh, it didn't go over too well, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna skip over what happened next because we you know we're on the John show, so I, I don't want <laughs> to promote violence on here. But I remember maxing out that credit card within a matter of 13 hours. I spent $150 at Red Lobster treating, you know, a young lady out to dinner. I spent $150 on roses and chocolates for her, and then I bought her a Dooney and Burke's purse. That was about $200. So I spent $500 in 13 hours, and my credit card limit was $500. 
And so I, I do exactly what everyone else does, John, and I send them the minimum payment. It was like $35 and like 32 cents, I think. And a month later, they send me a letter saying, hey, thanks so much for making your first payment on time. We see you're a college student, so we're going to up your limit from 500 to 1,000. Um, enjoy. And I maxed that out within 45 minutes of receiving that letter. And to make a long story short, John, I made a lot of uh, bad decisions my first year out on my own. I racked up about $15,000 in credit card debt, had my own apartment, uh, financed about $10,000 in furniture bills. And unfortunately, I made some bad decisions in college to where um, I had to leave college. I was unfortunately kicked out of college. So when I got kicked out of college, I lost a job that was attached to college, which was a work-study program. And when I lost that job, I lost the money that I was using to pay my bills and to pay for my living. And then on top of that, I took out $10,000 just to finance my lifestyle, buy some clothes and you know, buy some rims for the car. And so I had about $35,000 um, in debt when I got kicked out of school, when I got kicked out of my apartment. And I thought I was going home, but my parents didn't allow me to come home because they said that I, I told them that I was a grown man. And so their, their thought was, well, since you said you're a grown man, you can't come home because a grown man doesn't come home. So you're going to fix your responsibilities. And I remember calling everyone, all of my friends, all the people who I thought were my friends and asking them, man, can I just sleep on the couch? Man, can I just take a shower? Man, can I just get something to eat? Because I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything to my name but my clothes in the trunk of my car. And everyone said no. And some of them didn't even answer their, my, my phone calls. And so um, I'm 19 years old and I end up parking my car in a Walmart parking lot off of Highway 76 in Oceanside, California. And I just end up sleeping there for a few months of my life. Oh my gosh, this, man. Um, at a young man's age. You know, Anthony, we, we have so many remarkable guests on this show and they share their stories and their lives. And many times there's stuff that I, I can't ever imagine doing. When Commander Jim Lavelle was talking about being an Apollo 13, going around the dark side of the moon, it never hit me that I could be there. When wow. uh, Greg Easterbrook shares his story and others share their stories, I never really think like, hey, that could be me. But the one you're sharing, I even looked over at my producer a moment ago and we kind of gave each other a look like it, that could be us. This is an every man story. Now, most of us don't blow 500 in the first 13 hours and 1,000 <laughs> in the next 45 minutes. I mean, most of us aren't quiet there, but right. we're right behind you. So I'm curious, before we turn to chapter two of your life story, as you've gone around sharing and learning more about the market, learning more about credit, learning more about this industry, are you the only one out there that, that has been this upside down or is this an epidemic? No, no, no. I'm not the only one. You know, nearly 78% of the people um, in America today live paycheck to paycheck. Some of them can't even get to the next paycheck. Um, I've met a young couple um, in their mid-20s um, about two weeks ago. You know, they literally get paid on a Friday. By the following Tuesday, they have $100 to their name. And that $100 has to last them at least another week and a half. So another seven to eight days. And that is tremendously hard. Um, they are racked up with debt. They are on the verge of being homeless. They just said about a month ago, they were sleeping um, in a house with no lights because they couldn't pay the light bill. It had gotten four months behind and they robbed from Peter to pay Paul. Right. They robbed from this area to pay their rent. Then they'll get behind on their rent to pay the car note. And so I'm seeing this every single day that there are people who are struggling and they're not struggling because they want to struggle. 
they're struggling because they don't know, one, that it, it is possible to live below your means, and two, how to do it. And so I didn't know how to do it. I thought I was making all the right decisions. And then one day I woke up in the back of my car. So you wake up at the back of your car. I've heard your story. I've read your first book. Was moved by it profoundly. Uh, you don't have anything. And you get a call. You're going to watch a Netflix show with one of your friends who happens <laughs> to be a girl. And you get your bucket from the back of the car, walk into the Walmart, fill it up with a little bit of joy, soap, a little bit of water. Yeah. Just share with us what that, what that even feels like as a man to be cleaning yourself naked in the back of a car in a Walmart lot. I couldn't even explain that feeling, John. It is a feeling that every time I think about that, um, it brings me back to a place I don't even want to be at. But it also reminds me of how good God is to just me, period. You know, I'm sitting in the back of that car and I am, I'm, I'm naked. I'm 19. All of my friends have a roof over their head. They're taking warm showers. They're eating hot meals. Both sides of my families, both sides of my parents are are in their houses, watching TV, smiling, laughing. And I'm in the backseat of my car, cold, shaking, because I want to make sure that I don't smell musty when I go over to this young lady's house to watch um, a movie and, and eat some food with the rest of our friends. And I was crying. Um, at that season of my life, I felt like committing suicide. At that season of my life, I just said, no one loves me. It was the lowest I've ever been in my life. And when I see people in low points, at low points of their life, I can relate. I probably can't relate to that specific low point, but I can relate to being at a low point in my life. So, man, take us forward, Anthony, from the moment you are in that car to a, a reconciliation with your parents. Like, At what point do you hit so far down that you bounce forward and say, uh, I, I've got to work to reconnect with my parents? It was honestly my father that actually reconnected us. It wasn't something that I initially started. My father knew where I was um, every single day. And on this one particular day, my dad uh, just seen me, watched myself in the back of the car. And he looked at me and he came up to the car and he says, son, it's, it's time for you to come home. You've learned your lesson. And what's so funny is my father knew that if he allowed me to come back home, I would never learn my lesson and I would never become the man that I could become. And so he said, hey, you're going to go, but I'm still going to watch over you. I'm still going to make sure you're learning your lesson. And it was on that one particular day that he just seen me and he said, hey, come home. You've learned your lesson. And when I came home, I never forget, my father handed me a Dave Ramsey budget form that day. And he said, hey, you're going to get on a budget. And I was like, well, dad, I don't have a job. He said, I know that's number two. You're going to get a job. And uh, once you get a job, you have six months in my house to get out. But throughout these six months, you need to show me a budget every single month. You're going to be saving every single month and you're going to be paying off every single one, uh, every single debt that you owe. So this way, by the time you get out, if you're not debt free, you're close to it and you're making better financial decisions uh, with when it comes to your money. And that was the best season of my life because me and my father got closer. Um, he taught me something that I didn't know. And at the time he was listening to Dave. So he was just teaching me what he was learning at that present time, which is so funny because, you know, 15, 16 years later, now I'm with Dave teaching people <laughs> what my dad was teaching me through Dave, which is just so funny. And I'm just so grateful for it. But my father's played a major role in helping me turn my life around. 
Um, and John, I haven't made all the right decisions since then, and I, and I will not be perfect, but I refuse to live paycheck to paycheck. I refuse to not build wealth. I refuse to believe that it's not possible um, because I believe in the Proverbs where it says that all things are possible. And I believe that if I just be a good steward and make good decisions, all things can become possible for myself. Anthony, when you weren't yet back under your father's roof and with the Dave Ramsey plan and getting ready to dream for it and budget life, yeah. you're in that car, you're cold and wet and at points naked, man. I mean, this is like a pretty low point in any human being's life. Yeah. What What are you thinking about? What are you What are you reflecting on? What are you praying over? What What are your hopes for your life at that? What What's getting you through this time? You know, and not to go too spiritual, but, you know, being a Christian man, I, I remember that day I was crying and um, I just remember God telling me the reason why you're here in the dark is because I have to wipe you of every single thing uh, that you have. And I had to strip you completely naked so that you can hear me and see what I'm trying to do in you and through you. And he had to take away all my friends. He had to take away all my loved ones. He had to take away everyone that was distracting me so I can get on the right path that he had for my life. And um, during that season, it was I'm not loved. During that season, I remember being looked at weird because there were two times I didn't have anything. So I had to go out on the side of the street. And while people were driving by, I was asking for money. I had the, the note up. And and I know people's looking at me saying, he just wants to buy drugs. He just wants to do that. And literally, John, I was just hungry. I was just trying to get something to eat. And it was just hard. And I, I remember that day when I got back in my car, I said, you know what? I need to take my life. This is not worth it. No one loves me. No one's going to miss me. Um, I remember thinking, I'm not going to bounce back from this. I, I didn't see a future. I didn't see hope. I couldn't see nothing. All I could see was me naked with nothing. So with that being your your vision, how do you begin to see a different future? It was my spiritual walk. I would definitely say when my dad knocked on that door, I remember saying, God, if you just get me out of this, if you just give me another chance, I will not be perfect, but I will not be back here. And I'm going to strive to live the life that you want for me. And it's funny now when I think about it, that's when my dad tells me to come home. Hmm. That's when he knocks on the window and says, come home. While it's funny now, I think that's how it was supposed to be. Were you resentful of your dad and your mother for waiting 90 days while you were homeless and hungry and almost dying before they said, come on home? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely resentful. My mother didn't know, just my father. Um, She thought I was actually staying with a friend, but my father knew and I I was resentful. Um, You can say that in my, my head, I was like, I hate my parents. I didn't feel loved. Um, I didn't feel valued. I just felt like they didn't care. I have a lot of friends who have made mistakes with alcohol and made them to such a point where they say, I'll never do that one again. And then you see them out at the bar or the party or the whatever, doing whatever the mistake is they were doing the weekend before again, or people with gambling, and then make the same mistake again. And so frequently those of us who are more prone to be addicts to whatever it is in front of us, then repeat that same habit that got us in trouble the first time, or for you, the second, third, fourth, and fifth time. How did you radically pivot your life to not take out another $500 loan and then a thousand and then 15 and then $35,000 of of debt? How how did you pivot away from that into a life that's going to ultimately give you a lot more freedom? It was hard, but it was easy at the same time. When I felt like 
when I had that temptation, I remembered what it felt like to be in the back of the car. Probably extreme, but one thing for me was if if I seen this opportunity, I was like, all right, I want to get this car. I remember that. I remember this actually this this actually did happen. Um, I was on the car a lot. I had like ten thousand dollars cash to buy a car, but they was trying to sell me on this thirty thousand dollar car, and I was like, hey, you can put down this ten thousand and get this twenty thousand dollar loan, and and I was like, ooh, that is a nice car. Mm-hmm. I said, no, no, I don't want to go back there. And I'm not saying that me doing that would have made me homeless again. No, I just didn't even want to take a step closer back there. I didn't take one step that could lead me down that journey. And so I remember that day saying, no, I'm good, man. I'm going to buy this car that I can afford. And one day I'll come back and I'll <laughs> buy that car. Every time, every time I start feeling like, oh, man, I wish I could do this, but I don't have the cash to pay for it right now. You know, the mind would try and play tricks on you. But for right. me, it's, it's I remember where I was, where I do not want to go and how I'm helping people. And one thing that really helps me out, John, is I actually like owning 100% of everything and not a bank owning it for me. When did you begin pivoting from a practitioner of these principles into a teacher? It's one thing to go from the Walmart parking lot back home, launch in six months, get a job, start saving, buy the car for 10K in cash, live in life. It's really radically different, though, as, as incredible as that story is, Anthony, then to yeah. go even another step saying, and you can do it, too. W- when did yeah. you begin making that journey? Man, probably about two years after my uh, my epic fail there, I, I became a youth pastor. And when I became a youth pastor, I also started this organization called Young People Succeeding. And I was I, I made a vow that I would go out there and I would teach teenagers how to transition from high school into the real world and succeed and succeed in the areas of finances, succeed in the areas of choosing the right people to be around in relationships. Because part of the reasons why I ended up where I was is because I chose the wrong kind of people uh, to associate myself with. And then also how to be successful with their with their spiritual walk, how to be successful and their educational path. I just really believe that, hey, God got me out. I need to help somebody else avoid going to where I was. And so that's where it started, right around 22 years old. Um, went back to North Carolina, lived with my father there, and joined his church and, re- and became a full-time youth pastor there and just really helped as many young people as I possibly could. At some point, do you look at your life, you look in the mirror, you look at your dad, you look at the work you're doing, and you feel like the prodigal son? <laughs> uh, man, you know, sometimes I do, you know, so, sometimes I honestly do because, and my dad would say he was a prodigal son. Um, and I'm just grateful, uh, for my father just accepting me and embracing me back in and the way he just loved me throughout that process. And I'm talking about both of yes. my fathers, my biological and stepfather, uh, because both of them had to agree that we're going to, we're going to allow Anthony to go through this. But they never took their hands off me. They never took their prayers um, away from me. They they always covered me. And today I am the man because no doubt. I am and I am today because of them. So, Anthony, when I came home from the hospital after being there for five months, I lost my fingers to amputation. We're having dinner that night. My mother made my favorite meal. And I can't eat it, man. I cannot eat it. I don't have hands. So one of my great sisters, Amy, grabs a fork, scoops up the potatoes, moves it toward my mouth, and I will never forget my mother, seated to my right, says, Amy, drop that fork. If he's hungry, he'll feed himself. Wow. Wow, I was right. So uh, 
That was a painful night. My mother ruined homecoming. She ruined that meal, but she may have given me back the potential for my life, like a real life going forward. I've shared that story a couple of times and frequently I get negative feedback saying, how could your mother be so cruel? How can she be so mean and shallow and, and non-supportive? And my response is, my gosh, my mother is the most loving, giving person I know, and I'm able to eat potatoes tonight because of her. I'm assuming when some people hear your story, they're thinking, you had two jerk fathers and two mean mothers <laughs> and a bunch of lousy friends who never let you back into their homes. But that, that's probably not how you feel. And the reason I set up this long question is this. I think a lot of us think the way to help someone else in need is to just make it go away. Get, yeah. Wash away that debt. Let them back into the basement. Take care of them. You know, f- feed them the, the feed them the potatoes. And yet, I think your story is one of no, John. I think sometimes you do have to hit rock bottom for you to yeah. understand. I'll never go back there again. So speak to those folks that have a child or someone that they're thinking about, kind of making the past disappear. Hold nothing back, and you're saying, you know what? I, I think maybe you have to practice a little bit of tough love for a while. The Bible talks about train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And I I firmly believe that training sometimes means you have to allow them to fall. You have to allow them to make a mistake because if you allow them to make a mistake and to fall in your presence, you don't pick them up. You show them how to get up. Mm. You make sure that it's not life-threatening to them, but let them feel a little bit of pain. And what I mean by this, I remember I was a little kid, um, little kid, little kid, little kid. And my mom and dad always told me, don't touch the stove. I was a kid that if you tell me not to do something, um, I'm going to do it anyways. Right. <laughs> and so I remember I would go up, touch the stove. My mom would be like, don't touch it. I go up, touch the stove, don't touch it. Well, one day, they were in the back room, at least what I thought. And I seen the stove on and I'm walking up to touch the stove. Well, my father comes around the corner in the kitchen and he sees me going towards the stove. And he says, I'm going to have to let him touch this stove quickly because he will not listen. So my father goes in the refrigerator, takes out the butter, takes out um, a nice little towel. He puts a scoop of butter in his hands and he's following me to the stove. Now, mind you, I'm short. I really can't see my dad behind me. And I go up to touch the stove. And I remember as I'm going up to touch the stove and coming down to touch it, I remember seeing my father's hand. I touched that stove for maybe one second and I screamed. But before I can even get a full scream out, there was already butter on my hand and my dad looking at me saying, do you see why I told you not to touch the stove? And John, to this day, I cook with gloves. <laughs> I am scared to touch the stove. And so if if my father would not have one been there mm-hmm. to allow me to make the mistake and to cover me in making that mistake and educate me while I made that mistake, there's probably I could have probably experienced so much more uh, pain and really injured myself. But how many parents are covering their child, covering everything that they're doing and not really helping them, not really educating them? Then when they get out into the real world on their own, they make huge mm issues because their parents weren't strong enough to allow them to make mistakes in their presence and let them fall and let them get up with some scars with a little bit of bleeding but you know what they're still living they still have life That's right. and they're and they still have lungs to breathe so I, I always say to parents train and sometimes a trainer allows you and honestly once you feel yeah, a little bit of pain exactly right and to fall and like you said to bleed to get back up to learn the lesson and do to do better afterwards a lesson that many of us are lo- learning these days is that debt 
is expensive. It takes yes. away our freedom and it steals our joy. I follow you on Instagram. I encourage those who are listening right now to consider following you as well. You're great, great to learn from every day. Over the weekend, you posted this. Uh, I, I think it was white letters on top of a black canvas. And all it said, one, two, three, four, five letters, five words. Say no to student loans. <laughs> kind of a, an odd message for a good-looking young man to be preaching out there. So let, let's talk about this very specific post that you threw out there on the internet. Say no to student loans when the entire world is saying say yes to them. So yeah, interest yeah. rates are low. Now is the time. Now is the time. Yeah. Invest in yourself. Why would you possibly tell us through social media and through your work to say no to student loans? Where's the truth? I mean, America, we are in a student loan crisis right now. Um, and I was a part of that crisis back in the days. I remember signing that student loan paper, not really knowing what I signed. And it was the easiest thing I've ever signed for. It was so easy. I, I signed. I remember it was took me maybe two minutes to fill out the application and to sign that piece of paper. And the next thing you know, I got ten thousand uh, dollars coming when it's time for uh, refund checks the very next semester. And when we wake up today, we see that the average student is going to graduate with about thirty five thousand dollars of debt. But at the same time, we have several people who are graduating with in between one hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt, and the average payment is anywhere between three ninety three and can go all the way up to eleven hundred dollars a month. Mm. The average student is graduating college paying nearly fifteen percent of their take home pay back to student loans. They're living paycheck to paycheck to where they can't even go and buy a decent apartment. They can't even purchase a new car. They can't save for retirement. They really can't enjoy life because they're just forced to focus on their past rather than enjoy their present and work towards building their future. And it just bothers me that, you know, we want to be so focused on uh, just allowing kids to go off to any college and, and make these decisions and not really guide them. And so there are different options. There are different ways to where you can become a doctor. You can become a lawyer. You can go to college 100% debt-free. But, John, it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. It's easy to sign a student loan paper, uh, a student loan application. But it's going to be hard to go to college 100% debt-free. But hard works brings good rewards. Mm. And so when you graduate college 100% debt-free, you're walking into your future making an average salary of about $55,000 a year. That is freedom for a 22-year-old. Mm. And that's what I want, not someone who is stressed, who is still in their 60s, paying back their student loans. So there's a lot there to unpack. Why don't we begin by discovering where we ought to go to college? I think many of us base it upon what the person to our left and right is doing and then go right down between them. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like everybody else is going in this direction. So if everyone's doing it, it clearly must be the right wise move. You're suggesting something that is incredibly countercultural and almost unheard of, graduating debt-free. And I read, by the way, online from your, your previous book, one of, the, one of the negative reviews said, no one can do this. It's impractical. You got to be rich. And I wish he <laughs> knew who wrote the book because the dude was not wealthy. He did not grow up rich and it is practical. But help a lot of our listeners and the guy asking the question understand, how do we do this? How do we begin taking a step forward in freedom? Here's the number one thing. You got to have and you have to choose an affordable school. Uh, one of the key things that I say, John, is that your dream school is an affordable school. Your affordable school is a school that you graduate from debt-free. 
So that's the number one thing is that you have to do the research and choose the most affordable school. And sometimes the most affordable school is going to and starting off at a community college. So the average community college is going to cost anywhere between three to four thousand dollars here in the state of Tennessee. Any student can go to community college for free for the first two years, depending upon their GPA um, and, and vice versa. But. Here's the thing. First two years can save you anywhere between twenty to about $25,000. So in those first two years, if you go to community college, you're working and you're saving, and then you're going to get grants and scholarships. Now, if you live in-state, I want you to choose in-state schools, and I want you to drive to school. Maybe not staying on a dorm uh, should be the option for you because the average tuition is going to run anywhere between nine dollars to $11,000 a year. So this is not your books. This is not your room and board. This is not food. We're just talking about the tuition base for in-state schools. So if you do that and you're living at home, you're eating at home, and you go out there and you get some recycled uh, books from online, you may spend anywhere between nine to about twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars a year. You can cash flow that if you're working and you're applying for scholarships and grants. Now again, is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to be super hard? It could be depending on the school that you choose, mm -hmm. but here it is. It is possible. There's a lot of things that I'm thinking right now. Number one is I, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of parents listening to this right now thinking, I think if I do this to my kids, I'm shortchanging them. I, I, I'm robbing them from <laughs> the experience that I had or my neighbors are giving their kids and most kids, I think most of us agree that a 17, 18, 19 year old freshman should have a condo on the beach when they're a freshman in college. So like th this is what most people are doing these days and you're suggesting something radically different. So what would you say to the parents who feel uh, like if they did this with their child, it would steal their, their children's joy today and the future tomorrow? No, it's not going to steal your children's joy today. You know what? We cannot take a kid's approach to an adult decision. OK, um, and that's one thing that I'm always teaching parents is that, hey, your kids, yes, they want to feel good. They want to have a great time. They're not thinking about 10 years from now, 20 years from now when they got to pay back all this money. And I would agree with some parents. You are robbing your kids of something. You're robbing them of the experience of student loan debt. And that is good, Rob, right there. You know, But you're giving them freedom. You're giving them good, solid direction that it may not be the fancy thing. It may not feel good and look good up front. Making good decisions is going to, it's going to be more work to put in. And so what I tell young people all the time, especially parents, is like, hey, your job is to help guide them into making the right decision that will impact their tomorrow. Now, I'm not saying they, that they cannot have fun today. They cannot go to the beach today. No, they can do that stuff. But I want them to start thinking about, which is why I tell parents to go out and have a conversation with them. Show them all the numbers on a sheet of paper. Hey, if you go to this school, you're going to end up paying back about $150,000 in student loans. But if we do this route, you can get the same degree you're only going to have about maybe $20,000 we have to pay for, and we can pay for all that now. So when you do graduate, you can go to the beach all you want because you don't have debt like some of your peers will have. Parents have to really understand you may get some pushback from your kids, but years down the road, you're going to get so much thanks from your kids. Anthony, what about the argument around you're taking away an opportunity to have better networking at, at the college where they may go? You're taking away future earnings. So ignoring current debt, you're, you're stealing future dollars that may flow into them if they go to this university over that one. 
I've never met a millionaire and said that I'm a millionaire because of the school that I went to. I've met millionaires because they said I have a hard work ethic. Now, don't get me wrong, John. Is is our relationships important? Absolutely. Me knowing you uh, is a great connection. But I do not believe that you have to go to Harvard to be successful. Dave Ramsey didn't go to Harvard, and he's very successful. (laughs) You know, I know a lot of people who are very, very successful who started off at a community college and ended up at a state school, and now they're making two, three, four, forty million dollars a year. I had the same conversation with Mark Cuban a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "Yeah, it's not about the relationships; it's about you. Mm. It's about how you work and your character." And once you get in front of other people, if you're working hard, if your character is solid, you have integrity, man, that can get you over someone who went to Harvard and who has a doctor's degree. So it, I think we have to start teaching our, our young people, it's not about where you go, it's about who you become. Why is what you're saying so uh, radical? Why is this countercultural approach rather than the mainstream? And, and by the way, what I'm referring to is not only student loans, because not everybody listening to this podcast cares about student loans because yeah. they're single, they're living on their own, they don't have kids that they need to worry about, or they're <laughs> able financially to float that. But debt and yeah. those decisions, uh, this is something that affects all of us. And what you're bringing up today is rarely discussed. Why is that? I think it's radical because no one is talking about this. No one believes that living a debt-free life is even possible because uh, the normal person believes that I got to have an 800 credit score if I'm going to be successful. When I don't even have an 800 credit score and I'm very successful financially, I'm not in debt. Am I living this big glamorous life? No, but you know what? I have freedom. And to me, I think everyone believes that to have freedom, you need to be in debt. You got to have the nice cars. You got to have the nice house. You have, the, you have to have the latest and the greatest stuff. And I'm like, no, I don't need that today. I need freedom, a peace of mind uh, more than anything today and right now. And I think it's, it's so much different because that's not the norm. But you know what? I don't want to be normal. I want to be different mm-hmm. and I want to pass difference down to my kids and I want them to be free. I want people looking at them saying, you're weird. You own your home at 22. I do. <laughs> right. you know, that's what I want. Wait, you you went to this college and you don't mm-hmm. have no debt. Wait, you're a millionaire and you're 28. I am. Why? Because I'm not normal. You have come a long way, my friend, from being the gentleman who owned, I think it's an old Maxima that would not even go in reverse. Is that right? Yes, sir. 1977 black on black Nissan Maxima. Tell the folks, uh, instead of buying a new transmission for that, what did you uh, buy for that vehicle? (laughs) I need to make sure anyone thinking they're going to turn you into St. Anthony O'Neill can wait a little bit. Wait at least until this story. Don't do me like that, man. You know, instead of for buying a transmission, I bought two 12s. I bought a sound <laughs> system and put it in the trunk of my car. And I honestly thought it was going to make the value of my car go up. And I quickly learned that was not the case at all. Um, it sounded good. It looked good. Um, but what was so funny is um, I couldn't go in reverse. And you know what? I don't think I needed the car to actually go into reverse because in life, I was already going in reverse. Well, brother, you've been moving forward since the new book, and it's a great one, Debt-Free Degree, the step-by-step guide to getting your kid through college without student loans. What have you been hearing? Man, 
people are loving this. I mean, we're already selling a lot of these books. Um, I'm just loving the testimonies. Just the other day, I had a, a parent just tell me, like, I need this. I have two kids. One's in middle school, a seventh grader. One's a sophomore. And she's like, we are reading this book together uh, because I refuse to allow them to take out debt. Um, and then even have one person tell me, I don't think it's possible. So I'm going to read this book to see if it's possible. And so I'm just loving how it's already challenging the minds. People are being honest. I don't think it's possible. I can't wait to read this book. And the others are saying, you know what? If you say it's possible, I'm reading this book and I'm going to do it. I'm just excited about what God is doing through this book. And I just pray. My goal, John, is that within the next 12 months, we will sell 100,000 copies of this book because that means it will impact 100,000 young people and help them avoid debt and to build wealth at an early age. One of the quotes that I pulled from you, the choices you make today yes, sir. determine the caliber of your future. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The caliber of all of our futures, your future, my future, uh, will be determined by the choices we made today. And that's not big choices. That could be a small choice. A small choice is um, I'm going to take out this $200 credit card. A small choice can be I'm not going to apply for this scholarship. A small choice is, you know what, um, instead of me saving for an emergency, I'm going to go buy something new today. Um Every one decision that we make, whether it's a good one or a bad one, whether it's a small one or a big one, we will reap the consequences, mm. whether that's a good consequence or a bad consequence in the future. Well, one of our mutual friends says, live like no one else so that you can live like no one else. And Anthony O'Neill, you are living proof of this, man. I think for a long time, you were living like everybody else. No longer. So I, I want to leave this interview inspired by having you share your answers to what we call the Live Inspired Seven. Question number one is, Anthony O'Neill, what is the best book you've ever read? The best book for me that I've ever read was The Total Money Makeover. Um, that was a book that helped me transition um, in my low point to one of my best points of life financially. Awesome. What's one positive characteristic, one trait that you possessed as a child that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? I smiled a lot. Mm. I was just this this people's person. Every time I got around them, I just smiled and everyone smiled back at me. Um, I wish I had that today because every time I smile today, not everyone is smiling back at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know why that is? So I've I've watched 20 of your talks and a whole bunch more of your interviews you're bringing in the truth, man. And that's not always playful or fun to hear, but what I've seen on your face and heard in your voice is an awful lot of joy. So that little boy with the goofy grin remains the man bringing the message today. So I, I'm, I'm glad you're still exhibiting that, man, because it, uh, it comes across. Thank you, sir. Anthony, Appreciate if your home caught fire and all living things are out, all the pets, all the friends, everything else is out, you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item. What's the one item you would grab from that house? My Bible that my mother gave me when I preached my first sermon. Wow. How long have you had this? For 17 years. Congrats. Do you remember what the first sermon was? No one's ever asked me that. Uh, but going through the storm uh, when you don't feel like it. Dude, I think this might apply to uh, today's sermon. So uh, maybe we need to bring that one back from 17 years ago because the storm <laughs> is blowing. And whether we want to or not, it's time to grab the rain jacket and, and start paddling. Yes, sir. All right, my friend, if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach and have a long conversation with anyone living or dead, who would you want to be seated right there on that beach with? Man, I would love to have a good conversation with 
uh, Martin Luther King Jr. if he was alive today. What's the first question you would ask Dr. King? Dr. King, what made you want to become the man you became? <laughs> and then stepping into his suit for a moment, what's his response? Ooh, I don't even know because there's so many different ways you could go with that answer. But I think he just wanted, you know, freedom and um, change in America. Um, but I would really want to know, like, deep down, what was that one thing? What was that one incident or or phone call or yes. thing that you've seen on the news that made you say, you know what, I have to do something? Mm. What's the best advice that you've ever received? Stop downloading what the world wants you to do and download what God wants you to do. All right. What would you tell your 20-year-old self, Anthony? Leave that girl alone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's what her father's telling her right now. Leave that boy alone, man. He's in the back of a black Maxima with speakers and joy shampoo. Leave that boy alone. Anthony, it has been said that all great people, and I'm on the conversation today with you, my friend, you are one, all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? Anthony O'Neill loved people, and he wanted to help everyone become debt-free and build wealth. Anthony O'Neill does indeed love people. He wants people to become free. And one way you can do exactly that is to check out his new book, Debt Free Degree. That's one worth investing in. The step-by-step guide to getting your kid through college without student loans. Anthony, congratulations on your radical turnabout in life, man. It is so inspiring. It's so encouraging. And it's something the rest of us can learn from. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate the opportunity to share and Uh, Thank you for your heart and your message as well. My friends, that is Anthony O'Neill. He is an awesome man, a great servant, and a phenomenal leader, thinker, and writer. I am John O'Leary, and this is your day. Live inspired. My friends, thank you so much for listening to today's Live Inspired podcast. I hope you share with your friends, your family, your colleagues, your letter carrier, your dog walker, that stranger seated next to you on the bus ride, that lady working out right next to you, the guy checking out in front of you. In other words, share with everyone that you're listening and that you are subscribing to the Live Inspired podcast. Together as a Live Inspired community, we can change the world. I can't wait to share with you the next episode.